Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here. I have Ed with me. Ed, it's been a wild week on Twitter. It's been a wild week in general. First of all, it's been a hot week. I don't know what it is or how the temperatures are in your neck of the woods, but player, it is the it is the beginning of October. I'm ready for fall. I'm ready to break out my winter. My I've got my selection of jackets and autumn wear that's banging and hot. Player, it's like 95 degrees here. I thought somebody told me that climate change didn't exist because I can't tell it. Well, Ed, I was going to say it's been wild on Twitter because after the whole Amber Geiger case and the man hugging her for forgiveness, I have a question for you. Are you going to be hugging some of these R&B artists for putting out whack R&B music this year? Oh, my goodness. Speaking of hot in these streets, ugh. Yeah, that hug certainly got everybody riled up. But as much as I try to be a man of forgiveness, some of these albums are not worthy of my forgiveness. You get nothing but all of my venom and hate for some of this stuff y'all have subjected me to this year. Oh, man. Well, Ed, um, if you remember last week on the podcast, we actually had a couple of things that we needed to look at for this week. Uh, One in particular is the release of Summer Walker's debut album, Over It. And first of all, Ed, we had had a bet on how long the album would be. What was your bet? What I think was your I guess? Thirty. I think I said thirty-three minutes for like the length, something like that. So the official count on the album, I believe, is forty-eight minutes, which is pretty good uh, for an eighteen-song album. But here's the downside, Ed. Only five of those songs are over three minutes, and none of those songs are over four minutes. Welcome to twenty nineteen. I think I remember the other part of that bet being like, I think I said there would be only three songs over that. So I was a little closer there. But let me tell you, can we talk a little bit about Slumber, I mean Summer Walker in this album? Oh, well, calm down, Ed. We're not there yet. Let me put my two cents in before you get to go in. Go ahead, because I got things to say about this. Well, let me give you my perspective on how all of this happened because I knew Summer Walker was a big deal, but man, she is hot in these streets at this album in like its first day has like a billion streams. And I'm not kidding. This is not an exaggerated number. That's what they're telling me on Twitter. And I believe it because everyone was talking about this album and London on the track produced the majority of it. And Ed, I got to say, man. This album reminds me of Amory's debut. What? In that, in that Ed, that 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 the production is consistent throughout the entire album. Now, my biggest issue with this album is that it seems like she's singing in the same key the entire album, and it kind of seems like she's singing in cursive with all that auto tune. I can't really understand what's going on. But aside from that, Ed, I'm with the people. This album is hot fire. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me clarify some stuff. So the album is great when it comes to production, but it's terrible when it comes to the actual songs. Is that what you said? The singing is terrible, but the album is good? This is where we are in 2019. You should have left that point on. So let me talk about (laughs) Old Girl and this album, because I'm fired up. Because I got up yesterday morning, and my timeline was flooded with talk of album of the year. And this is the best album, and she is the greatest thing ever. And we've talked before about Summer, and I've been hit or miss on her. She had a um, project earlier this year. Was it an EP or mixtape or something? I can't remember. Yeah. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was bad. But we've seen her for the past year, year and a half, do some things. And my opinion has always been that she is talented, and I see something with her. She certainly has the charisma and the star power, but it's just... It, so I hadn't heard a song yet that truly gripped me. So with everyone going crazy over this album, and I heard Usher was on the album, and oh, this Usher song, and we'll get to that soon too, and all these 90s samples, and oh, you're going to love it because it's going to be so nostalgic. And I listen to this album. Player, if I am listening to your album, and I get on track number six, and I go back to, if you know, if you watch listening on Spotify, it's like the big list, and I'm on track six, and I go look to see what number this is, and see, oh crap, I'm on six? I got like 10, 11 more songs to go? 
that's not a hot, a hot album. That is a chore. If I am sighing because I have to sit through another 10 songs, your stuff ain't hot, player. It's not hot. It is absolutely boring. You got the songs that you said well produced, no question. But the singing is sometimes incomprehensible. I literally can't hear what she's saying at some point. She's just mumbling through the verses. And I'm seeing people quoting these weird lies about, oh, the song about I'll pull a gun on you, but I won't shoot you. And I wave it, but I'll wave it in your face. And everybody's like, yes, honey, yes. Okay. I could then even realize she said that because she mumbled it <laughs> yeah. so bad. Player, I need some enunciation. I need some feeling. We talked before on an earlier podcast about how problematic it is for these artists to continue to sing every single song, no matter the structure of the song, in the same key. And in her case, key is used in quotation marks because some of them keys, that one key is kind of suspect to me anyway. But when you're performing in one key every single song for 50 minutes straight over 18 tracks, the song, you said it ran 48 minutes. This album, yep. to me, felt as long as Cousin Chris's album. I was I kept going back saying, oh my God, how much longer we got to deal with this album. It is so long, so dull, and one of the worst albums I have heard this year. I said, wow. I do not get where y'all are getting this great album from. The production is solid. And even the production, for instance, this Usher song that everyone loves. Do you really like it because it's a good song? Or do you like it because you're jamming to You Make Me Wanna and then Usher comes in and half sings his part and then kind of freestyles over it? And Usher's part is actually pretty okay because he's actually singing for once. But are we hyped because it's nostalgic or are we hyped because it's good? I'm willing to bet it's the nostalgia that's pulling us in. If I want to hear 702, I don't have to listen to her mumble over there distorted beat. I'll go pull the CD out. I am not getting anything from you, girl. I thought this was a sloppy, overrated mess. Well, uh, on your point about the Usher record, this is absolutely true. I was listening to it, and then when the chorus came came on, I was singing You Make Me Want It, like the original. There you go. There you go. And then Summer Walker's just yelling, come through in auto-tune. And I'm like, mm, I think I might stick with the original. The, the, the song is cool. I think uh, <laughs> I think Jermaine Dupri actually had a hand in writing Usher's verse. So that's why it kind of sounds like classic Usher. And Usher sounds great on it. Makes me excited about this Confessions 2 that allegedly will happen. But oh, back God. to Summer for a second. Uh, you're right. I think she is incredibly talented. I think I've been on record saying that she is like... Aside from her, she's probably one of the more talented musically from this generation when it comes to female artists because she can actually play the guitar uh, like she did on her last EP and she can sing, but I don't understand why they put so much auto-tune on her voice. It's not like she needs it and it kind of feels like she followed that SZA blueprint, but I don't think she needed to do that. Well, here's the difference with SZA because I actually like SZA's album and I know some people took her to task too. SZA was a great, let's be, let's just be real, put all the cards on the table. SZA ain't the best vocalist, but she used the auto-tune to effect that it was actually enhancing the songs and enhancing her vocals. And people just use auto-tune as such a crutch now. They're not even using it to enhance anything. They're just doing it because it sounds cool, I guess. Listen to, what was the genuine song, um, Differences? When he, like, fades out on the outro. He throws some slight auto-tune in it. Does Genuine need auto-tune? No. But he did it for the effect. And it kind of works because it was doing that ethereal fade-out. Using auto-tune, when you use it responsibly, it's cool. When you're using it on every single song and you're sounding like Sleeping Megatron and I can't hear what you're saying. And y'all keep telling me she's a good singer. I've heard her non-auto-tune stuff. She's fine. But this is a mess. She's just drowning in all of this auto-tune. I am not seeing and I'm not hearing what everybody else is hearing. I just feel like, and I was talking to a friend of mine right before we got on this podcast who was saying the same thing. I checked out this album and I don't see why everybody likes it so much. Like, because you got taste. That's why. 
But the point is, I think a lot of fans are just excited for her. So if she does anything, people are going to support it and not really supportive of the music. She's got a huge fan base that went back and streamed the heck out of this. But are we going to be talking about this album in three weeks? I don't know. Because there's not a lot here I would want to revisit. Maybe that Usher song, maybe. I don't get it. Y'all lost me. I am truly the old man on this one because I don't get this at all. Well, Ed, maybe in three weeks it'll disappear. But for this week, Ed, it'll be a vibe. So you're going to have to see us here. <laughs> it's a, a vibe. So, I, wish, I wish y'all never had that word. So here we go. We're going to go through a couple of a couple of the features on this album. And I want you to give me your opinion on these artists. Okay. Bryson Tiller. Well, before we get started, my opinion on them in general or my opinion on them on the song? Well, not on this song because Bryson Tiller only shows up for like 10 seconds on this song. And uh, and uh, it, he added nothing to the original playing games. And actually, the song is like the same length as the original. So I'm not sure why yeah, he was on this song. <laughs> nor do I because I remember and I remember going and listening to it and I almost missed him. And I was like, was he even on the song? But anyway, my opinion of Bryson Tiller is basically the male version of Summer Walker. Another one that I do not get the hype at all. I think is all gimmicky auto-tune and repurposing 90s beats. And people are like, oh, it's a vibe. Because it's, it's like I'm listening to some song from Escape, but I'm drowning underwater. And oh, it's so cool. It's, it's, uh, it's nothing added to it. It's just a distorted version of a superior song. And we aren't getting any kind of vocal showcase. We aren't getting any kind of interesting vocals at all. It's just chewed up mumbly vocals. I ain't a fan of your boy. That's why I say he's the male version of her. My same criticism go to him. Mm, yeah, because I'm looking at the track list here. It says extended version featuring Bryson Tiller. Yet it's the same length. How does that work, Ed? Well, he just mumbled over her mumbling, so that's it. We got a feature on it. Hey, we got, I got a song with Bryson Tiller, y'all. Stream it. That's the games we play in 2019. And, and I'm asking you about these features because I saw a press release that saw Summer Walker's album contains features from some of today's best R&B artists. So uh, Usher apparently is one of them. Well, Usher, I guess it is. Uh, yeah. Bryson Tiller is another one. And then we have Six Lack, a.k.a. Black. Now, see, I, Black is another one that is kind of, you can kind of notice that opinions vary. I don't hate Black. I think Black is, is one of those artists that is a little too rappy in his delivery for me. But he has projects and material that I thought were okay. I think he's talented and I don't mind his style because it's very distinct. But... I just think sometimes he leans... I want more vocal showmanship. I want some actual harmonies coming from him. And not just... I'm just talking like I'm rapping. But you know that's one of my pet peeves anyway. I don't hate him, but... It's not like I'm sitting around listening to a bunch of... Six lakh songs, as you would say. Mm. And what about my Canadian brother, Party Next Door? Oh my goodness. I already said last week, if they're partying next door, I'm moving. Because this dude <laughs> is... Now, I like Division. I like them a lot. This is antithesis. I don't see the hype. I don't get what the big deal is with Party Next Door. At all. I'm saying this for like everybody. It's like this album just captures everybody that's hot in the streets right now. But has shown nothing to me outside of hype. Um, and then we have a boogie, the one with the hoodie. I know you only like the one without the hoodie. Yes, I like regular boogie. I don't like the one with the hoodie. The one with the hoodie needs to go back and get his bars up because he's terrible. <laughs> regular boogie right. is cool. And then we have Drizzy Drake. I know how you feel about him. <laughs> we ain't got enough time on the podcast to talk about him. I mean, he stands out here because everybody else is just in like first gear. But... We know how I feel about overrated Aubrey, but there is, of course, talent there. I won't hate on that. The man is talented. He just, again, underwhelms. Everybody we've talked about, with the exception of Usher, and I don't know about Bryson Tiller. No, and I don't know about Party <laughs> Next Door either. 
I don't know. Right. My point is, there are artists, these are young artists that are getting a lot of shine, getting a lot of hype, but I don't really see any long-term prospects for them because other than hype in the moment, all you're going to have is your music. Right? That's all you're going to have to lean back on. Once the hashtags go away, once people get tired of retweeting whatever dumb stuff you share, you have to have the music to lean back on. You see these artists coming back with their second projects and third projects and fourth projects, and they do nothing because they don't have the initial hype. And everybody you mentioned, I don't see them coming back with anything. I don't see long, sustainable careers. I just see hype in the moment because they're hot in the moment. Good point here. And Ed, I'm going to ask you a question here. You were not prepared for this, but let's just test out your knowledge. Who are some of your favorite current R&B producers? Like, for me, Camper is one of them, for sure. That's my boy. Uh, Harmony is another one. Any other that come to mind? I mean, you took the two that I was going to say. And by current, do we mean who are, like, who just have made their names in the 2010s? Or are we talking about anybody who still produces? Because... I mean, you can give you can give me anybody, but highlighting some of these current ones would be nice because I know you really love London on the track. I didn't even realize um, that he produced Summer Walker's album until I looked on Wikipedia. I'm just kidding. He well, it all over the. <laughs> I was gonna say if you didn't know it, you sure heard it on every other song. London off the track need to get off of some of these tracks because I was there not impressed go. with. It. He again, oh, he's man. great production, but I feel like we're leaning on the same. Tro- I have no problem with samples. I love samples. I came up in the era of samples, but some of the samples just felt too lazy to me. Well structured across the board, get props there, but I want to do some more, a little bit more imaginative when it comes to samples. Anyway, when we talk about kind of the best R and B producers of the of this era, you name two: Robert Glasper. I think for R and B is. Incredible. Yep. So those are Absolutely. really my main three. Zaytoven's not on your list? Absolutely not. Oh, and Salam. Can't forget Salam Remy. He does the thing. Yep. Yep. I'm sure I'm forgetting yeah. a bunch of people that somebody's going to tweet me and be like, you forgot so-and-so. But there's some great ones out there, but Zaytoven ain't one of them. <laughs> I tried listening to that A album one more time, Ed. I tried to listen to it what? once a week. Play hey, man, you got to find... You gotta hope that there's something in there that you'll like. You've been and, listening uh, that, to it for a year. No. Yeah. <laughs> that birthday song is starting to grow on me, Ed. Oh I'm well, if that's growing no, on you, let me let me beat it off of you because you need help. Oh man. Well, Ed, I've got a couple uh, records and albums I want to talk to you about. Are we done with Sabrina? <laughs> Poor Sabrina. I. We talked before about Sabrina, and for those who might not remember, Sabrina Claudio got in a little trouble a few, maybe over a year ago now, where her career started to blow up, and just like what always happens to these celebrities in 2019 and 2018, somebody went back and dug up some old tweets where she was talking shady about black folks. And don't, and a lot of times, some of this stuff, I feel like, is blown out of proportion. The stuff she was saying, I'm not going to repeat, but it was pretty bad. So she had to lay low for a little while, and now we're getting this pseudo comeback with her new album. I thought it was okay. It was, don't get me wrong, there were some solid songs there, and it's actually a pretty abbreviated album. I listened to it after I got through Summer Walker, good lord. But I was impressed by how quick the listen was, because it felt like a cohesive piece of work, but it didn't feel like it was slogging through quicksand for three hours like the first album however a few of her songs and this is a common criticism of her was a little sleepy and when i say and i know people are like oh you just said that someone was sleeping no there's a difference there's a difference between boring and sleepy summer was mooning and groaning i don't know what you're saying you're boring me because you're not engaging me miss Cla- uh, claudio is has some very quote-unquote vibey, laid-back music. Sometimes she gets kind of in a groove with her vocals. It kind of just uh, starts lulling you to sleep. If I listen to a song and I kind of like zone out, that's not a good thing. I know some people call it a vibe. It's good to smoke your weed to or whatever. But if I start zoning out of the song, that's not a good thing to me. And that happened a couple times on this album. But I did find one or two songs that I really enjoyed. So 
It was okay. If you're a fan of hers, I think you would really like it. I actually saw her live a couple of nights ago uh, on her tour with Gallant. Shoutouts to Gallant. I got a chance to meet him backstage. Super cool dude, but Sabrina is actually a pretty good performer on stage. Um, she puts on a good show, but Ed, I'm a little afraid because I saw on Twitter, and I'm pretty sure you did as well on your social media, there's a lot of people that weren't even aware that this album came out, and I don't know if it's fair to point to the incident that happened last year with the racist tweets, but something is not connecting with you know, with the general public when it comes to the release of this album. No, I, I can't. I'm not going to blame the racist tweets for this because when her first album came out, there was way more buzz than it was this time. I feel like this is just another example of something we complain about a lot here on the podcast where artists drop albums kind of out of the blue. Although with Sabrina, I did know about it at least a week before, so I knew it was coming. But we don't really get the rollouts, and we don't get a lot of publicity. Now, there was a bunch of publicity for Summer Walker. Lord knows I knew about that for a month. But this one, it just kind of comes, and this, it's kind of damaging, especially to the genre. When you have fans who are waiting to discover this music, I shared the album, or at least discussed the album, on the Soul and Serial Cypher on Facebook. Go look that up if you aren't there to talk R&B with the rest of us. But I mentioned it, and a lot of people there were like, I didn't know this was out. And these are fans who are engaged and talk R&B and are into the artists and follow the artists. And half of the folks there had no idea. That's a big problem. I mean, you could, the conspiracy theorists in me could be like, well, maybe they intentionally laid low because they didn't want to make a big deal and get the, the Think Peace Brigade after us and throw us under the bus before the music hits. I guess there's some strategy there, but I don't know if that was necessarily the case this time. If you got music, man, at least say, hey, here it is, instead of throwing it at us and running away. Well, that's the exact approach that your cousin Chris has taken. See, Breezy has released 10 new songs. The deluxe version of Indigo is out now, Ed. Um, <sighs> Tory Lanez is on a record. Ed, Chris Brown just keeps on bringing them hits. He keeps on bringing stuff. I don't know about hits. And the thing, the reason why he can get away with it is because he has an insanely fanatical fan base who will, it's almost the opposite of, of what we were saying with Sabrina. Chris, Cousin Chris has his fan base. He can put out anything. He can literally tell them, hey, go stream this. Make my stuff go platinum. Just leave your, your Spotify and your title. Just leave it on repeat and let it play, play, play when you're not at the house. As we know, he literally said this. And they'll do it. And the stuff will chart. I was looking at, and I can't remember if it was him. I was looking at some artist recently. It may have been Post Malone. It was one of these artists who are big time artists, but no one could name two songs from them. And I looked at the charts and it was like, 15 of their songs had charted from some album. I was like, what on earth? Who has 15 singles? But it's not <laughs> that. It's just streaming numbers. People are streaming these random songs, and that's why you've got these the most random songs going platinum that you've never heard of. It's just all about really streams behind the scenes. It's a very weird time. But it's working for Cousin Chris. That's why he keeps dropping off music and won't stop until y'all stop listening. Or demand him to actually put out good stuff. Well, Ed, let me ask you this. With this record, No Guidance with Drake. I know how you feel about that record. But yes. it's it's number five on Billboard's Hot 100, which is his biggest song since like No Air with Jordan Sparks. So you're looking at 11 years later. This song is bigger than Look At Me Now, Loyal, and all those records. And I've had a hard time trying to gauge where Breezy is in his career um, it kind of seemed like he started slowing down a bit. And with the way that the streams are now, it's kind of hard to determine where he is in his career in terms of popularity. Is this breakout with this single due to the Drake feature, or does Chris have more coming? No, I think it's due to the Drake feature, no question. Like, he say what you want about old Aubrey, your countryman, but he's a proven seller. And Cousin Chris is a proven seller. You put these two together, it's the equivalent of Brandy and Monica of 1998. 
Like people like, oh, those two have a song together? I got to check it out. So, and then it has a little video that people were loving and people will turn into memes because again, that's where promotion comes in 2019. Memeable content. So people, I haven't even watched the video yet or at least in full, but I've seen that clip of Drake like doing that weird thing in the camera a thousand times because it's become a meme. So this is how you get your music out. This is a song that resonated with that culture and it don't matter that it's not even any good, but he knew how to hit those notes. It ain't. Stop fooling yourself. But the thing is, you got two proven hit makers on one track. If this was just no guidance, Chris Brown not featuring Drake, no, it might have blown up on Urban Charts, like Look At Me Now and those other songs, but no, we wouldn't get it this high at all. I definitely don't think so. Hmm. So, stay tuned, Ed, for the next Chris Brown album, which is probably set to come out in six months. Yep, with... um. <laughs> <laughs> this time, 84 tracks. My body is ready, Ed. Uh, I'll tell Mine you a is project, not. I'll tell you a project that went completely under the radar. Uh, well, first of all, I, I do want to point out that Sir put out an album. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We never really got a chance to talk about it, so I'm going to give it a quick plug because Sir is actually a really cool dude. That record with Sabrina, you know who we just talked about, that record is dope. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I did listen to that album earlier this week and it's not bad at his most recent one i can't remember the, the name of it forgive me it's got like the eyeball on the cover i remember that one got a lot of hype and i thought it was okay i thought this one was even better he's an artist that has a lot of potential kind of like sabrina though it's an album that's got really good songs and then some kind of slow ones kind of sleepy ones kind of draggy ones mixed in and it kind of hurts the flow of the album to me a little bit but I really like it. I think it's probably his best project to date. So, yeah, decent album. Check it out. Absolutely. Now, Ed, just to get back on track here, an album that went completely under the radar. I think I looked at some stat where, like, nobody streamed this album is uh, from your boy, Mr. Classic Man, the album 85 to Africa. Did you listen to this album? Oh, I forgot about this album. I did not. And this album... This is another album that I didn't even know was out. And a lot again, that shout out to the Cypher because there were some fans of it on the Soul and Serial Cypher that were kind of like, this album is pretty good. And that, again, totally slipped my mind until you just mentioned it. So I've got to go back and take a listen. He's, I don't know, he's hit and miss to me. I see potential. I like some songs. And his last album was okay. It's kind of like the Sir album, where it was like some good songs, some not so good songs, which made for an uneven package. But it was not bad. So I, I am interested in checking out this new one. I might go do that when we wrap up here, and I'll have to report uh, back. Absolutely. Now, Ed, I wanted to give these guys a play a please for the cover, but we're not going to do that because we love them. But can we talk about the cover for the new Jagged Edge single, Genie? Because uh, I know <laughs> I know Disney is making a lot of money. Are they making money off this Genie album cover? Because uh, Robin Williams might need to get a royalty check here, too. Listen, I don't know who needs... who. I don't know who was in charge of creative for this album cover, but they should get no checks. No dollars should go in their pocket for this one. It looks like somebody playing Aladdin on Genesis. And this is like the graphic <laughs> you get. It is not the business. And the song is not the business. I don't know why the twins sound super dry on this one. Like, what? You got a throat lozenge or something? Your voice cracking? What the deal is? They just sound off a step. The whole song is off a step because it's kind of a ridiculous song anyway. But if you couldn't tell from the goofy album cover. But it ain't really getting my hopes up for this new album. These singles that have been coming out to promote this album have not been noteworthy, to say the least. And I think something must have happened when they went into the studio for the Layover album, and they're still trying to recover from that. I don't know what happened. Let's us never speak of that Layover album. But there are, it's weird. There are some fans of that Layover album, because they laid into yes. me when I... With the last podcast, when I did not speak highly of it, some folks on Twitter told me about myself. But, you know, that's what happens. 
But yeah, they have not gotten out of that groove because these most recent songs seem like layover part two, and that is not something we need to hear from Jay. Hey, I'm with you, man. Um, another project that has been announced, Ed, and I think this will be very exciting for you. Well, first of all, what did you think of Mariah Carey's Christmas album that came out many, many years ago? Because we know of the big record, but did you listen to the rest of it? Oh, the the classic Merry Christmas album? No question. Yeah. Like, it's a, it is a Christmas standard. And I don't, I don't know if I want to say it's the best Christmas album of all time, but in my lifetime, it's probably in the running. No question. I know it very well. And that's something that, even to this day, my mom still breaks out. And when I hear the most of the singles, and especially the early half of the album, I don't know why not the second half, but like the first few songs on the album just remind me of like Christmas in the 90s. Lots of nostalgia well, wrapped up in that one. Well, Ed, this album is actually five times platinum, and uh, Mariah Carey is set to drop a re-release of this project with special stuff. I'm not sure what's going to be included in this special edition, but to celebrate its 25th year anniversary, which is very exciting. The only problem I have with this, Ed, is she's dropped like three different versions of this album over the last five years, and my thought on this, or maybe not five, maybe ten, but... My thought on this, Ed, is she's trying to get those streaming numbers up so that that Christmas song, which we're going to be hearing in about two weeks, is going to finally hit number one on Billboard. Do you, Now you thinking like a record executive player. That's exactly what this play is. That is why... I, I mean, I swear this thing gets like a re-release or reissue every two or three years. But every... Yep, you're right. It always circles around. And a lot of times that All I Want for Christmas song pops up on the charts. I mean, it doesn't hit in one, but it does pop up seemingly every year. But I agree with you. I think this is a strategy to finally get that thing at the top. And it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. This is all about boosting those sales for that original project. Cause all of this will go back to the original project. It's not like this causes some new path that this is all going back to the original one. So yeah, man, that's what it's all about. She's going to finally yeah, get her, um, her no one for that. Yep, because last year it actually got to number three on Billboard. So I think this is the year, and it'll be interesting because if she hits number one this time around, then that means she will have a number one record in the 90s decade, the 2000s decade, and now the 2010s decade. I think Usher is the the other one that has done that. Uh, Usher did that with OMG in 2010, if you didn't know, Ed. I know you love that song. Oh, boy fun hmm. but, but yeah i mean i can't wait till the what are the mariah fans called the lambs yes i can't wait till the lambs flood my dms about that when it's like oh she did it again she's the best haha ha, ariana could never well <laughs> but ed this song like i mentioned we'll be hearing it again and again in two weeks what makes this song so good that everyone keeps listening to it? Because I can't get enough of it. But from like uh, after December, I don't want to listen to a second of it. Well, can I be real? Okay. I have never seen... Well, I know me being real. Let's change things up for a little while. Um, I like it, but I was never into it like everybody else is. I, I recognize it's a great song. And maybe it's just overplayed. Maybe it instantly got overplayed because it was just everywhere from the second it dropped. And it seems like it's everywhere since 1994. Jeez. But I was never into it. There are other songs on the album I like better than that. And there are plenty of Christmas songs I like way better than that. So it's not one that I've ever been hung up on. But for whatever reason, it just resonates. People adore that song. It's, I mean, it's very Christmassy. It certainly puts you in the mood for the season, but it's never my go-to. Have you ever heard Genuine's Christmas album? I don't believe I've had the pleasure. Genuine has a Christmas album? Did I remember this? Yeah, this came out after the Elgin album, I think like 2011, I think it was. I think I may have missed this. Yeah, it sounded like a bunch of like R&B ballads, but he was like singing Christmas songs. It was kind of weird. <laughs> but sometimes it works. I know that Drew Hale had the Christmas album a year or two ago that was kind of like that. That thing kind of worked, though. 
I guess it depends. Yeah. Did Keith Sweat have any Christmas records that you can think of? Oh, yes, he did. He had a Christmas album for sure, and it was good. At least I think it's good. Many people disagree with me, but I like Keith's Christmas album. I play it every year. And yeah, Is mostly it- it's just a bunch of songs about having sex under the Christmas tree, but hey, it's Keith. What'd you expect? So what you're saying is it's not appropriate for the family dinner table? Well, the first half is. Is there some songs you need to count, especially near the end when it's got, I guess those are for when the kiddies after they like open their presents or something, then you turn that up. But the first half is good. But that second half, mm, you can leave that for Mrs. Claus if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, all I know is for Christmas I want a Keith Sweat London on the track album. Can we make that happen? If anybody can lifen up those beats, it would be King Keith. Ah, jeez. Well, Ed, a couple of questions popped up on my timeline. I want to ask you these questions here. Uh, the first one was, what is the worst song by your favorite artist? So, I guess Keith Sweat. Let's go female and male. Male, obviously, oh, is Oh, my Sweat. goodness. It's time for some slander. <sighs> Yeah, man. Listen, I love allowed, King Keith. And, and, and you're not allowed to say any Meeny Miny Mo because I know how you feel about that song already. Well, that's the answer. What else would I say? Okay, I can't say any Meeny Miny Mo. Um, I don't know. Because that is like by far the worst song that man has ever done. It's probably something else from that album, to be honest. He's got a couple of weirdo trap songs that are not my cup of tea. I will say this. This isn't my least favorite Key Sweat song, but my least favorite Key Sweat hit will probably shock most of our listeners. But my least favorite Key Sweat hit is I Wanna. What? I know that is, yes, that is like his song. And it's okay. But it's kind of like the the Mariah Christmas song we just talked about. I like it okay. I understand why other people like it. But I never got into it. It was the later songs that got me into Key. So even when he performs it, I'm like, oh, okay. And everybody goes nuts. And he usually performs that like at the end of his set. I'm kind of like, oh, okay. I can get ready to go back to the parking deck, beat the crowd. Hmm. What about female? Hmm. Who is female your favorite? Is, Ke- is Kelly Price your favorite female artist, Ed? My favorite female R&B artist probably is Kelly. I don't know if there's a Kelly song. I Oh, I don't like... What's the name of that song? And again, I'm thinking of singles. I'm not necessarily thinking of random album cuts that I skip. What is that song? It was kind of like, you should have told me I wasn't... I was too heavy or something like that. What? There was a... Yes, it was from the second album. I think it's called You Should Have Told Me. I, oh, our listeners right. know it for sure. That one, I never really... I understood this. The, the I, It was always depressing to me because it felt so sad. It's like, oh, you should have told me you thought I was ugly and fat and I didn't make the food you like. It was just so sad. I hate listening to her sing that song. It just depressed me. Not a bad song, but it's by far my least favorite of her singles. Hmm. Good choices so, there. So, what do you... What do you have? Because I'm sure if you can't pick Ashanti's worst song, I sure can for you. Well, Ed, I'm going to leave Ashanti out of this and say that Brandy is my favorite singer. Okay. Leave leave, leave the Ashanti slandering for another day. Um, no, I will I'm say all the, for that. Well, Ed, I'm trying to figure out the worst Brandy song here. I'm on the 211 track list, and there's so many choices. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I bet you are. I would say it's between the song Let Me Go. I don't know if you remember that one. Or really. what you or what you need. They're both like the exact same song. They're both produced by Bangladesh, written by our boy Sean Garrett. We love you, Sean, but these two records right here, it's just banging beats with not a lot of substance. And here's a underrated one that I will give you that I don't like at all. Is okay. Brandy's Turn It Up. The one that Timbaland produced. Oh, that's weird. I mean, I don't I do love not. that one, but huh, it's not. I offensive. do not love that. At least song. to me, man. At least you I know, remember that one. These two Bangladesh songs, I don't even remember those at all. Well, you didn't like the two eleven album. 
the classic two eleven. No. Who did? Apparently everyone. Well, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Now that I think about it, there are lots of two eleven fans. I don't know why, but yes, they are out there. Yep. Uh, and then favorite male singer, I'm gonna go with my boy Genuine here. No, oh, I thought and you were gonna do Mario. Mario doesn't have bad songs. Come on. Oh please. He outsang Keith on his own record. I think we'll be now. Now, now you're gonna get hands. Now hands are thrown. Actually, if we're gonna say Mario, I think it's a song with like Joel Santana. It's called "Let Me Watch," which is funny enough. Oh, it's I remember by this. Sean Garrett. So, <laughs> man, we're just a Sean Garrett slander podcast. I do remember that or, song though. Or breakup. But that's also produced by Sean Garrett, so I'm gonna leave that one alone. <laughs> Get off of Sean Garrett! Oh my gosh, that's my. Do you remember Breakup? I barely remember Breakup. I remember the name of it, but I can't remember how it goes. Yeah, that had like Gucci on it. It was produced by Bangladesh. It kind of played off that like diva. Uh, what is it? Yeah, the diva song by Beyonce. What was the oh, Little yeah. version of that song? Um, there was a song um, that sounded exactly like it. Yeah, a million. Yes, it sounded like a million. Yeah. I remember that. It was all bad. Uh, But Genuine, Ed, I'm going to look at... See, I'm looking at the uh, the senior track list now, and there's a lot of options here, too. Which surprises me, because a lot of people like this album. And I don't understand why, but I want you to... Because I know what my answer is, and people are going to get mad. But I think I know your answer. Actually, pretty much everything off the senior is kind of whack to me, so... You can't really go wrong with picking something from that. Why do I have this weird feeling you don't like in those jeans? Oh, you know your boy well. I can't stand <laughs> that song. Yeah, I never like like Ed, can we talk about this album for a second? Yes. Listen, I think Genuine's first three albums are very solid. I think his third one is almost a little underrated in some aspects because there are some great Very ballads. underrated. This album right here, I would say, is probably his worst. I guess the Elgin album's pretty bad too, but this album is not good at all. It has the singles, but after that, no, this is not it. No, the only reason this one gets away with what it gets away with is because they threw Stingy on it. That's about it. Yep, but... Uh, even the R. Kelly record's not talking about anything. Hell yeah. Yeah, so that's the most... And that was the, and I believe that was the first single. And I remember hearing that for the first time and being like, what? This doesn't even sound like a genuine song. Because it's so repetitive and lazy. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, maybe he, this is just a radio single. We'll get something. Because R. Kelly was doing all those club bangers, quote-unquote, at the time. So, we get something better. Then we got In Those Jeans, and I'm like, this ain't much better. So, really from there, that's the spiral downward for Mr. Elgin. So, we're blaming the Pied Piper for that one. We blame him for everything else, justifiably so. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, So, that's that, Ed. Uh, I'm sure people are going to slander me for my Sean Garrett hate. I actually love Sean, but those records right there. I mean... Here's the thing, though, Ed. With records like that, when a producer or a songwriter or an artist is intentionally trying to aim for the club, I think they will expect some haters, right? Of course, because it comes with a territory, because it's almost like a different set of fans you're speaking to. Because when you're doing a club record, you're like, these are for club goers. And if you're a fan of Genuine, you're a fan of Genuine. You're not a fan of... Not that you aren't a fan of the club, but you're a fan of genuine sound. His sound traditionally isn't the club sound. So, of course, you're going to be like that. He's, I'm sure yeah. he's used to it. Yeah. I know a, a lot of fans, actually, uh, when we posted this on a Facebook, they said they hated the Monica song every time the beat dropped. Did you like that song with the franchise boys? I, I am not a fan. I was not a fan of that Snap era, but I did kind of like that song. But we've talked before about how that album is a huge guilty pleasure for mine. Oh, the yeah, old absolutely. Monica Bondish album where she's like wrapped up in ropes, topless. Now that that album, Ed, that that album, because I know it got a lot of hate when it came out, probably because of the single. But that album is actually pretty underrated. 
I really like it. And I know I've ranked Monica's discography at some point. You can roll over to Soul and Stereo and check it out. It's somewhere in the archives. But I ranked that one pretty high because it gets a lot of hate because of the single. And the single was, I mean, it sounded just like the In My White Tea or whatever. It was like the same song. But it was a great, it took Monica, put her in the hood. She's always been in the hood. But this album, she was really in the hood. And it worked. It was a a seamless transition, a logical transition. Well produced. The songs are hilarious. Love that album. I don't care what y'all say. Love it. Right. Well, Ed, I'm going to ask you a question here. Uh, This is another question that came out from the Cypher. What is your favorite debut album from a male and female from 2010 and later? Uh, Let's start out with the female here because... I know a lot of people were saying L. Varner, and then a lot of people were saying L. Varner. So where do you stand on that? First of all, if I say L. Varner and best, I think that I have clearly had a stroke and I need to be admitted into the (laughs) hospital quickly because I ain't doing that. No, I think it comes down to two people. To me, if we're talking solo, it's got to be Marsha's debut. I think Steel Stands is one of the best. And then number two... Gotta be my girl's king. And it still depresses me to no end that that album did not get the recognition that it should have gotten. And there have been some great ones. Like, well, I guess it's her debut. I was going to say Jasmine, but that wasn't her debut. But um, those two, to me, King, I might cook King first. I am like right now, as we've discussed, kind of working on some posts about the best music of the past decade. So both of those two will be prominently featured. I'm not sure... I'm probably leaning toward King as far as the better album, but those two are definitely high on the list. And isn't King like down a member now? Yeah, they're down um, because it was like two sisters and then a friend. And I'm forgive me, I'm blanking on y'all names. I still love y'all, but the friend left. So it's kind of like the two sisters. I'm not sure if they're getting another member. They're still performing and doing their thing. And then we never really got a reason why she left. I heard rumors that she was just tired of touring. I don't know. But they're down a member, but still doing their thing. So we shall see. Fair enough. A couple of projects that uh, I'd like to point out that could be in contention for best female debut from 2010s and later. Uh, K. Michelle had a solid debut. The only problem is she kept making the same album. But that debut, when it first came out, VSOP, Ed, that's going to be high on our uh, decade end countdown. Yes, and I'm working on that as we speak. I'm working on that today, and I can confirm that one's going to be high and rightfully so. No question. The album I thought was solid, but like you said, it's kind of the DMX syndrome, which you made the blueprint for one album and just kept making it over and over and over again until people started getting tired of it. Yep. And then uh, Janae Eichel, I think, had a solid debut. I didn't. I, I was kind of disappointed at first, but now that I listened to it, it was all right. And then uh, a lot of people were seeing Tinashe's debut was a classic, Ed. Huh? Where? <laughs> are we talking about the mixtape or are we talking about the debut album? Cause uh, the Aquarius album. Player no. Yeah. Um. Shout out to who was it? There was someone was talking about that to me on Twitter a day or two ago. My fault, whoever it was. But. It's fine, but and at the end, she's another artist that definitely started to immediately go downhill after that. But no, classic, please. Mixtapes were good, though. All right, Ed, what about male debuts 2010 and later? I'm looking at Miguel's 2010 album, his debut. I didn't think that was as good as his second one, though. Um, I guess you can make a case for was Channel Orange Frank's debut album. Yeah, that's technically his. I think no, no. Or was it that I, I get mixed up. Sound or whatever it was. I think it was that that nostalgia ultra might have been. I get confused yeah. with some of those artists because sometimes there'll be mixtapes and sometimes there'll be albums, and it's weird to classify it. If Channel Orange is the debut, I might give it to that. If not, it's got to be Miguel. Miguel was twenty ten. For some reason, I, no, it has to be twenty ten. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and you're right. Kaleidoscope Dream is better, but I really can't think of another male debut better than that. August Alcina, I know you love him. Oh please, no, <laughs> go away. No, we haven't we haven't heard from August in a while. I know he's been not feeling too good. I think he's been in the hospital. He has like a 
uh, autoimmune disorder, but we we wish him well, Ed. We wish him well. Yeah, Maybe I won't be mean. With, I... Hold on. He had a song with Keith Sweat earlier in the year, I think. Did you miss that? I missed it because I think that Keith didn't want to send it to me because he knew it would break my heart. I don't remember this at all. Or I probably just saw it and refused to listen to it because I would cry. But, uh, no, yeah, I don't remember I'll, that. I'll send it to you afterwards. Uh, yeah, thanks. Do we count TGT as a debut? I guess we should, but I wouldn't say it's better than either of the two albums we mentioned. That one, as we know, we've discussed before, that one fell kind of flat to me. It's very, very, very mid, as the kids say today. Very mid. Hmm. Well, Ed, um, what I do from time to time, and this is a you know I got soul secret, from time to time I'll DM Tyrese or tweet about Tyrese, and I'll tweet about that Black Rose album and call it the greatest thing ever. Tyrese is super inactive on Twitter. He's very active on Instagram, but super inactive on Twitter. But every time I tweet about the Black Rose album and call it the greatest thing ever, he'll find a way to retweet it. Uh, All you got to do to get Tyrese to act like a human being is to suck up to him. Noted. Yep, and Tyrese normally does not answer DMs, but we said we just wanted to show you some love for the Black Black Rose album. He responded, Ed. Trust me, Tyrese is so petty. I guarantee you he might be silent, but he's reading every single thing that ever at him or is in his DMs. He is going through a fine-tooth comb, and when he sees some love, he's going to show you some. You see some positive or either constructive criticism, nope. He'll make a video about you and then cry. And there you have it. Ed, can can we get into the soul backtrack of the day here? Yes, we can. Um, We're going to go with the uh, Kavon Edmonds song, 24-7. Do you remember that song? Oh, I love that song. And your boy Tom, that's one of his favorites too. Wasn't that like one of the first songs he wrote about or something? He was telling me this story a few, maybe a year or so ago. Yeah, so Kevon was the first artist Tom ever interviewed. Yes, that's what it was. And that debut album is actually really solid. It's like one of those like slept on albums, but those records right there, those that, that album was pretty good at. That had some baby face but records the, on there. No question, and the thing with that album is just it's a victim of the time period. If that album dropped well, let's say we can break it down by decade. If that album dropped this decade, it probably wouldn't have sold well, but it would be celebrated among R&B fans as like a classic because it sounds so good. When it dropped in 99 or whatever it was, there was still so much vibrancy in the R&B community that it got overshadowed. Plus, it wasn't hip hop enough. And you back then you had to have. Now, I mean, I'm not saying hip hop and you got to be fake rapping on your stuff, but Hip hop was still very prevalent in R and B, although it wasn't as it was it would be later on. So it kinda missed out on that trend, so it kinda just went under the radar and got overshadowed by better albums and albums that got more promotion. But man, I feel like if it came out though in the two thousands, kinda two thousand three or four, that would have been the sweet spot because it would have been celebrated, it would have gotten sales, would have been celebrated. So it was just a little ahead of the curve. And unfortunately, if it waited till today, it would have been lauded as a classic, but he probably wouldn't have been able to pay his light bill. <laughs> it would have sold like 11 copies. Pretty much. We'd be saying, oh, this thing got 10 streams. Well. But the 10 who I, listened to it would know it was fire. Yep. I think that's like the same case with King's album. Oh, poor King. I love y'all. Please come back. <laughs> Ed, can we get into the player please here? Yes, because I feel like I have a player please coming on me. I don't know why you would have a player please, but uh, Mr. R. Kelly, uh, he's asking to be released from prison, cause, or, or jail, I'm sorry, because he's getting sick. <laughs> well, guess what? We sick of you too, so... um. Don't come bring your sickness upon us. Look, player, you sick? Well, we know you're mentally sick because of the stuff you've been running around doing for the past 30 years. But being sick is no way to get out. You can't. This ain't school. You don't get to go home early because you went to the nurse's office. Player, you stay in there until we get this case sorted out. And I know he has not been 
found guilty of anything. But I don't agree with letting people run in and out of jail just because of celebrity. You stay. If I was under investigation and all this was going on with your boy, my butt would be sitting in there whether I had the measles or not. So I don't see how your boy gets off just because he made songs y'all ate like 20 years ago. Stop giving people a pass. And there's that. And Ed, can I give a play a please to the new Mario Kart game that came out for uh, the phones? Have you played it yet? I have not, but man, people are loving this game. It's I, I didn't download it when it first dropped because I know people were complaining about... I can't remember. There was some issue like the first day or so when it came out. Because I was going to download it. And I'm like, oh, I'll wait till it clears up. Then I just keep forgetting to do it. But I hear it's fun. It is fun. But I'm giving it a play, please. Or maybe I'll have to give myself one. Because I can't, for the life of me, turn or drift in that game. I just keep running into walls. And uh, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> someone explained to me how to do that it was one of my work co because there were two two of my co-workers were trying to figure out how to do it and one of them figured it out and i can't remember what it is now so i have to figure out the secret and tell you offline because there is a secret it can be done all right so ed i think that's it for this week um but before we end things off obviously we have to talk about someone stereo but even before that ed montrez jones can we give him a shout out? Because this man has been studying for his test and he actually put the podcast on hold so he could study. But can we tell the people the importance of school? Because I'm not sure if we've ever talked about that. But what is the importance of school? Well, I mean, shout out to my man because he is a huge, huge, huge fan of R&B. He's been kind of like dipping his toe into the reviewing arena, trying to figure out how we've talked a lot about he and I have talked about how I review albums, how I rank albums. He's kind of sat under the Ed learning tree to kind of learn my mentality and to do it. And he's a student at heart, not only when it comes to academia, but music as well. So, yeah, I, I always got to respect anybody who wants to get better at their craft. And when it comes to education, and I don't want to sound like an after school special up out here, but... I appreciate the fact that he was like, oh, let me chill out on this music a little bit so I can study, get these tests, get these grades up, get these scores up, get this GPA popping. And that's what my man does. So it's all about making sure that you have your right focus at the right time. And that's what my dog is doing. Staying focused on the important things. And there you have it, Ed. So Montrez, stay in school. Don't be a fool. <laughs> uh, oh my Ed, gosh what's, <laughs> Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? <laughs> uh, hopefully better than your PSA But um, yeah, SoInStereo's been popping It's been kind of quiet the past couple week, a couple days Because as you were saying Working on this gigantic list of the 100 best songs of the 2010s That'll be done, I don't know, hopefully in the next week Hopefully pretty soon But for the week coming up, I got a new edition of Love Letters rolling out. And finally, the review of Fantasia's album that we talked about a lot extensively last week. You can read my thoughts there. I think this coming Friday. And there you have it. So uh, on my end, we interviewed Bobby V. Interviews out now. I just interviewed Fantasia. That interview's out as well. Shout out to all the Fantasia fans. I didn't realize there were so yeah, many they Fantasia fans. But they went in and they loved the uh, interview. So shout out to that interviewed newcomer amber as well got a couple more coming out this week i think we uh we have who, who do we have we have hitmaker bj the chicago kid i just interviewed gallant ed um what's cool about that interview and i'm gonna post it pretty soon once the album drops but we found an email that he sent to us in 2012 submitting his music to us and tom actually posted it and uh i actually printed out that email and gave it to gallant and he was just going nuts. He was like, I can't believe you dug this up. And it brought back a lot of memories for him. So that was a cool moment that uh, I'll share with everyone soon. But um, Ed, that I guess that's it for this week. We're going to have to get Tom back. I know he's been out and about, but we got to get him back. Yeah, Tom's been on, he's been on the road for like the past two weeks. And then he was tied up again today. But yeah, we got to, I got to have more. Tom, when Tom's on, I'm at my slanderous peak. So we got to get him in so I can get fired up about something. But I think he'll be back next week. We'll see. If not, we'll hold it down as we always do. Well, Ed, i got to say something. This is kind of sad. But uh, Tom messaged me the other day, and he's like, hey, let me uh, give me all your recommendations for good music that came out this year. 
uh, or good albums, and I was like, hmm, I don't know if I can name one, <laughs> but, <laughs> but... Oh my god. I'm, maybe we'll give him the Summer Walker album and see how he fares. <laughs> Please give him the stuff. Tell him Summer Walker is the best album that you've heard in 2019, and Twitter told you so. Twitter confirmed it. And then let him listen to it. I guarantee you Tom can't get through track three. Yeah, he'll make sure If he that, can't uh, make it through her, you think he can get through Summer? Please. Oh, uh, he's going to make sure that his son has the earmuffs on so he's not being uh, contaminated. <laughs> I can't blame him. I might come through too with the earmuffs on. All right. And I think that's it for this week's podcast. Pleasure as always. We'll be back next week with another episode. We'll be back. More fussing to come. All right. Peace.